0: Alright folks, welcome back to the last Mountain West Wire football podcast. MWWire.com is the website where you can find everything, anything about the Mountain West. We're uh, sort of in the slowest season now. We're doing some NFL draft stuff. The draft is basically, what are we here, record April 18th, two weeks away just about. It's coming up quickly, which is a good point and a good time to know. We're talking draft today. Um, Matt Kennedy will join momentarily uh, as we had an interview that we're... Excited to have. We had this guy before, Justin Mello, joining us. He is uh, on Twitter. Give him a follow. At Justin M underscore NFL. He does stuff now for the Draft Network where he interviews a ton of prospects, gets some good insight, gets some good tidbits, some fun stories, some good info. And when we'll, we we'll chat with him today, he spoke with uh, Darren Hall, Tariq Thompson, and John Bates, Avery Williams. We'll go into all those four guys. Um, we, did bring up, we did not bring up, just so fans are wondering, Warren Jackson of Colorado State because he hasn't interviewed him, hasn't done a ton of film or insight on him. Me and Matt, uh, we'll get about get into him later, a different show. But for my quick thoughts of him, he probably could be the first guy taken or one of the best prospects because look at the Mountain West has done, specifically CSU with receivers, Michael Gallup, or Richard Higgins, all these guys in the NFL right now. Um, so they got those guys out there. So we didn't touch on him, but um, check out Justin's stuff too. He does stuff, for, like I said, the Draft Network, it um, covers the Titans over at SB Nation. Was it Music City Miracles over there? Also, BroadwaySportsMedia.com. It's uh, I feel like Tennessee stuff. That's what he kind of specializes in over there as well, including draft stuff. So check all that out. But we'll talk about the four prospects. It's a good conversation we have going into the difference. One interesting thing was we did Thompson, Darren Hall. That conversation about how many NFL guys at San Diego State had on the 2020 team. Per the players saying, now ah, we we got we got some good guys on this team. We discussed kind of differences how that three three five playing kind of like a hybrid as those DBs play because streak Thompson led the Aztecs in tackles last year. He is a freshman All-American. We get into John Bates and like it's interesting for him because his catch total wasn't high. As we discuss, yeah, I bring up the Utah State game a couple times where he started off strong with I believe five catches but ended with I think twelve. He got a Senior Bowl invite for him." And Justin goes into that reason why. He also talks about how what guys will get drafted. Out of the group, give a little tidbit. He says three of the four he thinks will get drafted. You'll hear who that fourth guy might not be, but don't fret. He feels all four of these guys are going to get a shot in the NFL, possibly make a team. But as one mantra he mentions throughout, it just takes one guy to, pick, to draft you, to pick a team. And that's all it takes. If one guy likes you, they'll take you where they think is appropriate and to make sure nobody else gets you. So we'll get to interview here. Uh, again, check us out, MWR.com. Go check out Justin, his stuff, Justin M underscore NFL. All right, now we're talking NFL draft. We It's a couple weeks away. So me and Matt and myself, we want to get to the draft, Matt, because we we watch these guys play. But, Matt, you're, our NFL allegiance is a little bit different. We're not like At least for me, we follow our teams. We get to it, but it's like, well, we need some help to good fits. So we brought on Justin Mello. He does stuff for – a variety of places the draft network where all these energy series we're going to talk about from the mountain west he does stuff for SB Nation for Tennessee Titans also Broadway or Broadway sports media dot com is that correct anything else I'm missing there Justin we good
1: no you're you're pretty good there
0: I <laughs> sure out the website named right everything you've done ton of draft stuff before we had you on at least once before I forget it's been a minute but we want to talk about the draft one quick question I want to ask you because me and Matt here we'll try in a second but with all the guys coming back, how does that kind of change some of these drafts? Like who you talk to? I'm not, you don't, I know you don't really predict where, who's going where. You kind of get to some nuggets, some good info, what they did in high school, and just kind of personality type stuff and how they play and everything. How does that change for you and your buddies doing all the draft stuff for getting ready for this year? So many guys coming back. Because Mountain West might have four or five guys drafted, and they usually have about a 10 or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, if anything, it makes it easier, to be honest with you. you. know It congests things a little bit. I think I had seen something on Twitter the other day about how small this draft class is. And truthfully, I didn't even, I didn't even realize it really until someone said it, uh, pointed out that I think only about 650 players even signed with an agent this year um, wow. f- from this draft class. And compared to other years, you usually got over 1,000. So this class does seem to be significantly smaller uh, than, than others. And, and funny enough, I feel like I'm familiar with with just about all of them, you know, and I, and I don't study six, seven hundred players. That's just me telling the truth. But I'm certainly familiar with probably at least three, three hundred, 350 of them. So to be familiar with about half a draft class, you know, including UDFAs, including some that may not even get a shot at all. Uh, it's definitely a little different. But if anything, it, it centralizes our work a little bit more. And it's, it's probably made things a little bit easier on us uh, this go around.
0: No, that's, it makes sense. Fewer, fewer people work, work on, talk about, discuss your interview time. It's like, Hey, it's like, I, you're more of an expert. Maybe this time around you don't have to find that division three guy who did something like, did you like Villanova guy the other day, that flip cartwheel touchdown pass? Like you don't have to worry about that stuff sometimes now this year, <laughs> finding those random gems with the grainy YouTube's impruder film video to see what they're doing. So that's always good. So let's get to Mountain West stuff. We have essentially four guys we want to get to who you've talked to interviewed about, um, over the draft network. I want to start with um, who I think who could be a pretty good guy who has a good NFL traits, Avery Williams from Boise state. I read over your stuff again, just now, kind of how he we went to multiple high schools. you prefer to walk on to a freaking all American? Like when you chatted with him about that, like what's, how does that help him? Do you think for the NFL, where kind of a no name guy to, Hey, you're he probably be picked somewhere. I don't know, fourth roundish, fifth round. Cause he's so versatile as well.
1: Yeah, I think the way it helps him in terms of his background and personality is, hey, he's a hard worker, you know, and he's had to work for everything he has. Like you said, you know, a former walk-on turned All-American, right? It's, it's just rare. You know, he played his senior year at, just say, uh, I believe it's pronounced J. Sarah uh, Catholic High School down in Orange County. Before that, he was at St. Francis, you know, so he kind of he's used to moving around. He ends up at Boise State and, and what a career he had there. You know, he's an elite special teams player, and I've been saying that since January, you know, and, and I'm glad to see uh, the mainstream media machine starting to catch up to him. You know, four special teams touchdowns in 2020. You know, it's just it's, it's, it's unheard of. You know, he returned both kicks and punts. He played on the hands team. And, and, and the thing that I think impressed me the most, and he's got, he's got a bunch of block kicks and punts to his resume as well. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable special teams resume. I don't think there's another player in this entire draft class that has the special teams resume that Avery Williams does. When I was speaking to him about it, what really blew me away more than anything was his preparation, you know, and, and that's what I didn't see coming when I was interviewing him and talking to him. And he said, you know, when I was a young guy, you know, and I, I wasn't playing a lot yet, but I'd be on the sidelines. I watched special teams. I made sure I was there, you know, had the front row seat watching what happened, looking at alignments. Like I would take stuff to my coaches and saying, hey, I see that they're doing this, and maybe, maybe we have an opportunity here to take advantage of something. You know, a, a guy like that, a young player trying to identify mismatches and things on special teams, it's kind of unheard of, but that's who he is, and that's why you know, he, he's going to get on the field at the next level. I think he brings something to the table as, as a nickel as well, but some teams are talking about moving him to offense, apparently. There are teams who have interviewed him and have, have put out some feelers on how do you feel about playing running back. What do you think about playing wide receiver? Let's just get the ball in his hands, right? Because you saw what he did and, and how smart he is. So I really like this guy. He he was one of my first you know, quote unquote, small school draft crushes uh, this cycle. Because when I discovered him, hopped on the phone with his agent and started hopping on the phone with him and did the interview, he just blew me away with his personality, his football IQ. The special teams resume, like I said, is unbelievable. A ton of block kicks, a ton of touchdowns. So I really like the guy and I think he's going to play at the next level. So,
2: you know, I, I, I noticed that, you know, the tenor of this conversation so far is around, you know, ob- his obvious special team bona fides, right? And I'm glad that you mentioned the, the idea that they wanted, that some teams are perhaps interested in making him a jack of all trades, someone who can not only do special teams, but offense as well. But we haven't talked about him as a cornerback just yet. And so, one thing I'm curious about is you know, if it came up during the conversation that you had with him, or if, if you broke it down, Bummer, or anything like that, why aren't teams talking about him as a defender, which is what he was in college as well?
1: That's a great point. But, you know, because I do like him as a defender. You know, when you look at the film, I think that attitude that he brings to special teams, it's very obvious to see that it brings that same attitude to the defensive side of the field. Yes, he's undersized, but he's that, you know, he's that feisty, fun, aggressive nickel corner that you root for, right? And that you like Mm -hmm. to have on your team. So I think what the offense thing comes into play, and I had this discussion with him uh, way after the interview published, but just kind of, you know, continue to keep in touch with him and and see how the process is going. He just talked about, as I said, you know, what he did with the ball in his hands, right? Like, you know, why wouldn't teams maybe take a look at, Hey, how can we get the ball in his hands a bit more often uh, than just on special teams, you know, kick returns nowadays, How often do they just go out the back of the end zone, right? And you don't even get a chance to to, to field it. So I think teams are just trying to be creative. I wouldn't say that they're writing him off as a nickel because I think they like what he did there on tape. But when you see what he did with the ball in his hands, I I think it's just really teams looking for a way to say, hey, how, how can we maybe become more, you know, the name of the game is how do we become more explosive on offense, right? In, in today's in today's you know pass happy league and in games where everyone's scoring thirty points and yada yada and you got to keep up with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Packers and so on, um, how do we score points? How do we become more explosive? So this is the kind of guy that I think on day three, you know, I like him at nickel, but that's the kind of guy that I think maybe you see a chance to become more explosive on offense.
0: So could he be like a guy? Because Boise had a guy a lot recently, John Hightower. I think he's with who's with the Eagles he's with right Philadelphia. Off, yeah, because yeah, Eagles have him. They have Greg Ward there, who is a quarterback at University of Houston. That they they're in a spot. They drafted Jalen Hurts last year to do whatever they want to do with that quarterback there. It's a mess, kind of. But the Eagles, like those two guys, that that is that kind of what you think teams are maybe looking at? Because you see running backs now like Christian McCaffrey catch up like 80 passes or whatever. All these running backs catching 50, 60 passes, of Kamara and other guys. Getting him the ball. Dude, you're right. Like kicks out of the end zone. They want to they bring in the special rules well or Proposed rules: Let's do a fourth down play, like after the touchdown. So there's no even kick return that way. Part return depends. It's kind of a fair catch half the time. It seems like or ten yards return is good. I like the point they're making. Like if he runs with the ball, he when he gets the return, he's amazing what he can do. It just makes sense to put in there. But would that make him? I know in the NFL, if you can take up more positions, you're more valuable. Like if you can return kicks and your DB or running back. But how much more value would he be? Like would a team really put him not both would they put him really both ways? Or would they just say you're a returner, then you'd be like a nickel guy, a corner or returner, running back, slash receiver type of deal. Is there any more in depth like what they if the teams that are offensively speaking to him to play like every basically every aspect of football?
1: You know, it really depends on his landing spot, you know, and that's really what he's told yeah. me because some teams, of course, you know, they, they, maybe they see him as exclusively moving to offense and others see him as, as maybe doing both. Others see him as just a nickel guy, right? That can return kicks and punts. Now, what, what I would say is, you know, talking about playing both ways, it only it, it sounds good, but I don't find it to be very <laughs> practical, you know, especially for mm-hmm. a rookie. Coming into yeah. the league, I mean, I mean the, the tr- people don't realize well, the transition for these rookies, especially from, you know, a, a program like Boise State, a conference like this, to the NFL, it's a big transition. You know, how much are, especially, you know, are we going to have OTAs? I'd like to think yes. Are we going to have a, a rookie mini camp? I would like to think yes. But how much of this offseason is going to be virtual? that right there already hurts rookies. You know, it's the, the transition is so large. They're getting fewer and fewer opportunities to, to acclimate themselves to the league, uh, you know, in, in today's world with COVID and, and, and other, and, and other things, teams are canceling, you know, summer voluntary meetings and workouts and yada, yada. And, you know, I don't even want to get into all that because there, I think they're maybe you know, uh, just trying to find a way to get out of those things. But um Putting uh, asking a rookie to come into the league and putting all that on his plate, asking him to play two ways, uh, being a two way player as a rookie. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a guy. So it sounds fun and it sounds exciting, but I don't think it's practical.
2: Yeah. I, and, you know, one thing I'm, I'm very interested in personally is the idea of like comparisons to, to different athletes. And so I know that mock draftable didn't have the benefit of the combine, but they have been adding position by position based on like pro day numbers and things like that. So I think it's fascinating that when you look at Avery Williams compared to, you know, other athletes, not, not simply just other cornerbacks, you know, like he was in college, but most of his strongest comps are, are either halfbacks, like, like, like Gio Bernard, or, or a lot of recent uh, wide receiver prospects, like he's one of his strongest comparisons is Elijah Moore from Old Miss or Dwayne Wade or Dwayne Eskridge, excuse me, from Western Michigan. But I think you know further down the list you see him compared to like someone like Jeremy Curley who maybe never broke out as a as a like a the kind of receiving option that Jeremy was referring to but has definitely been a contributor for a very long time on special teams so is that the kind of potential path that you see for someone like Williams in this respect <sighs>
1: You know, it's again, it, it's so hard because I've, I've I've learned you know over the years of doing this that it only takes one team, right? It's, yeah. it's really just going to depend on on where he lands and what their vision for him is. But uh, I know he, he's had a ton of, of virtual meetings. I, I've been reporting on that on Twitter uh, over the last couple of months, and, and it's different. And I know the Dags like him quite a bit. I know the 49ers like him quite a bit, right? And and the Jags are obviously going to have a really interesting uh, rookie class coming in, right, with having the number one pick. So if he lands in a place like that, what do they ask him to do? Do they really ask him to catch passes from Trevor Lawrence? You know, it, 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 it really depends on, on where he lands, but I'm excited for him. I think he's an excellent prospect, an excellent player. I've been really happy to see, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of hype machine catch up to him in recent months because when I discovered him, uh, uh, you know, several months ago, I, was, I immediately became really excited about him. I was confused regarding why we weren't talking about him more. So I really enjoyed seeing everyone catch up to him over the last couple of months.
0: Where do you, real quick, we'll move the other players, but where do you think like, or like kind of, I know it takes one team do you kind of have an idea or your buddies, a draft network or whoever, like where he could be going? Like see a fourth to seventh round guy, top hundred pick his versatility helps, but I think it also depends. Like you said, offense or defense, which is a, makes a very interesting prospect.
1: If I had to guess, I, I would guess it's going to be somewhere between round four and five. I think round three will be a little early for him, but I do think he goes early on day three just because of that versatility and that explosiveness. That's the kind of guy that, you know, uh, my, my good friend Ben Fennell, uh, you know, does things for the athletic and, and NFL network. Uh, he said on Twitter recently, and he's so right, you know, this is the guy that special teams coaches are going to be banging the table for. You know, special teams coaches don't bang the table for a ton of guys on draft day, or or their voices aren't always heard in that room. But that's the kind of guy I think when round four, round five creeps up. You know, every special teams coach in the league should be begging their general manager to to, to select Avery Williams. So, and only I I know I've kind of repeated myself, but. It only takes one, you know. That's why I never guarantee uh, a guy's gonna go in 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 the third, fourth, fifth round. Because I'll tell you a quick story, and I'll I'll leave the player nameless, of course, because I'm not gonna throw anyone (laughs) under the bus. But there was a guy last year that I had a day three grade on. Everybody had a day three grade on him. Everybody had a, and when I say everybody, I mean you know the media and so to speak, and 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 everyone who watches tape and and yada yada. But uh, in the media world, everyone had a day three grade on him. Everybody. And I get a call, um, you know, from, from his agent saying, Hey, he, and, you know, I, I see this, but you know, he's, he's going in the third round. You know? And, and I said, really? He was, yeah, he's going in the third round. I promise you he going in the third round. And uh, you know, I, I, I put something out on Twitter saying, Hey, you know, everyone's sleeping on this guy. He, you know, he's, he's going on the third round and, and I got a lot of hate for it and, and yada, yada. And that's, that's ridiculous. And uh, lo and behold, he went in the third round, you know? So it, it only takes one, you know, that that's kind of my sentiment there with that story is one team probably, you know, that, and, and, and I think fans would, would really be shocked if they knew how different draft boards are around the league. You know, I, I promise you, there's a team that's got a third round rate on Henry Williams and there's a team that has an undrafted rate on him, Right. And you could say that about almost every single player in the draft. So uh, it, it's tough. That's why it's tough to predict where guys are going to go. I ultimately think he's around four or five player. But um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if a team, uh, you know, takes him on the back end of round three. But ultimately, I think he goes uh, during the early portion of day three. That is,
0: yeah, you hear that about Seattle? Like Richard Penny was a first round pick a couple of years ago. It's like, where did that come from? Everybody Jordan Brooks
1: last year. Or... Mm-hmm. Jordan yeah, Brooks, there's... Seattle. Last, Seattle always has one. It seems yep. every year, right? Jordan Brooks was a surprise. No one had Jordan Brooks in the first round. Nobody.
0: Yeah, they do do, do that. Well. Let's go with Boy Stear. Let's go to John Bates, tight end. Um, you brought that up to me, Justin. Like, well, I'm like, anybody else? Like, yeah, hey, bring him up. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, he had that good one, the first game this past year versus Utah State. He kind of fell off after that. I think he had like, I don't remember exactly what happened. Now, I know he had like five catches in one game. Then up like maybe under fewer than twenty catches. What made him like interesting or want you to talk to him about it? Because I, I know you're when you talk to these guys, you're gonna talk to people who I don't know if it's a, if they have interesting stories or they're draftable guys. Because you want to kind of find the guys. You don't want to waste your time. A guy who may not be picked or not have a real NFL career. I'm not saying about Bates, but you're picking guys who are going to be in the conversations. What made Bates fit that for you to chat with him? And what'd you kind of pick up from him from going on to be a tight end next level?
1: Yeah. The thing about Bates and I'm, I'm you know, I'm glad that we're, we got a chance to talk about him because, you know, and, and the unknown, right. Is always a little bit exciting, right. It's, it's going to be a double-edged sword when it comes to scouting, but he went down to the senior bowl, you know, back in January And that was a huge opportunity for him. Now, keep in mind, the senior bowl, they do a lot of consulting with NFL teams when it comes to the players that they invite there. So John Bates got an invite to the senior bowl for a reason. NFL teams, somebody told, you know, Jim Nagy told the senior bowl, we want to see more of this guy. We're interested in him. We don't know what to make. We want to see how he handles the the environment, the competition, the opportunity. So there is interest in John Bates. I thought he did a great job at the senior bowl. I thought he took full advantage of the opportunity. I thought he went there and showed the things that he didn't always get to show at Boise state. And that's what I'm talking about when I, you know, reference the unknown because they asked him to be a blocker. As you guys know, right? You guys obviously watch probably more Boise state games than most. They asked him to block a lot in their offense. You, you brought up the catch totals. They weren't high. They asked him to utilize him as a blocker. Well, in the senior bowl, he probably had a chance to run more routes and make catches more than he, you know, in one week of practice than he did the whole <laughs> season, right? At Poise State. So, but what did he do when he got that opportunity? I thought he made plays. He made plays in practice. He looked good. He, he showed his potential up the seam, catching balls. He's got terrific size. So he's an interesting player to me that I think the potential as a pass catcher has been a little untapped. Maybe he was, I don't want to say miscast, but, you know, I look at a tight end like Tommy Tremble and that's an extreme example, but that's a guy that everyone's excited about. Right. And he's probably going to get drafted on day two. And I'm excited about him. You know, I don't know how familiar you are with him, but the Notre Dame tight end who just terrific athlete, freakish size uh, made plays in the passing game when he was asked to do it, but they didn't ask him to do it consistently. That's the issue. Right. So everyone's saying Tommy Tremble's got this, potential, this ceiling as a pass catcher that hasn't been reached yet. And we can't wait to watch him do it at the next level. And I'm one of those guys. I'm a, I'm a huge Tommy Tremble fan. He's very high on my big board, but if I'm looking maybe for it, maybe I don't want to take a tight end in the second round or the third round. If I'm looking for a guy that I think maybe was in a similar situation where he was asked to run block a little too much. And he wasn't asked to, uh, to make plays in the passing game, but then went down to the senior bowl and showed that he could do it. Then maybe John Bates is that value pick on day three if I'm looking for a guy like that. So I'm very intrigued by John Bates. Obviously, NFL teams are as well, or else he wouldn't have been at the Senior Bowl. Um, That's not to say that they love him. It just means that they want to see more of him right? But the fact that they want to see more of him is intriguing to me. It's interesting. It shows that there is some question marks there that they want answers to. And uh, I thought he did a good job answering those questions. So ultimately, he's a guy that I do expect to get drafted. It, it'll be late if so. Uh, but if not, he, he certainly gets an invite as a PFA uh, and gets a decent little signing bonus for it too. But I'm excited for him. And uh, he's a guy that I could see um, being a better NFL player than he was at Boise State.
2: And, and you know, I, I think it you know, if I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute, you know, you look at Boise state's recent history, especially when it comes to running the football and, you know, you say on the one hand, maybe he was miscast as more of a run blocker than a pass catcher. but It's also really hard to argue with the results since, you know, other than the, the pandemic shortened season in 2020, you know, they've got their ongoing streak of thousand yard rushers. You know, he was opening up holes for guys like Andrew Van Buren and, and George Helani over the past few years. Um, and so, I guess with that in mind, you know, you talk about how he was asked to do, you know, a very specific number of things, maybe more often than he would be on the pro level. But how how well was he doing those things? Because I think it's pretty obvious, like when you compare him to like the elite tight end prospects in this year's draft, like he's not Pat Fryermuth. He's he's definitely not Kyle Pitts. Um, and and I've heard some of the conversations around Pitts in particular, where you know, he's sort of like a, like a Megatron kind of thing, kind of player where, you know, even if, even if he couldn't uh, run block, it wouldn't make a difference, but like he can do that. And so I guess, you know, to kind of reframe the question about Bates is, you know, if, if we know he can do that, like, is, is that still like a selling point for NFL teams? The fact that he can be a run blocker and things like that.
1: Well, yeah. And let me clarify, you know, John Bates, you know, in the 40 yard dash, for example, he ran a four, eight, four. So Mm -hmm. you said, he's not Kyle Pitts. He's not this, you know, freak athlete. He's not. And the Tommy Tremble comparison, I really thought, I was really trying to reference, you know, what they asked him to do in that offense. Right. So, but, but, but and, and you know what, on the flip side of it, maybe he's not this, terrific pass catcher that blows up the league at the next level, but maybe, maybe he's still a great run blocker, you know, as you said, and maybe he comes in and finds a role for himself there. I'm not ruling that out. In fact, that's probably the likelier scenario, right? I, I just mean, it was very interesting that clearly teams, and I know this for a fact, because I had this discussion uh, with people uh, that wanted to see him at the Senior Bowl and asked them to be invited. And typically speaking, if a team's team's evaluations on a guy is, is complete and you know, this guy's a run blocker, he's not going to be able to do anything else there isn't as much intrigue to see him at the senior bowl, right? Cause mm-hmm. that's more of, we have unanswered questions. And I think what those questions were. And from what I've heard is that teams do think that he could probably catch the ball a bit better uh, than Boise state used them. But again, he's not, a, you know, he's not, he's not an athlete. That's going to blow up the, the world. You know, he had his pro day. The vertical is not great. The 40 wasn't great. Uh, the strength was right. The height, the bench press, the broad jump was actually quite good, which was interesting. And the three cone funny enough was actually elite. So yeah. an interesting testing results here, because you know, the three cones elite, 40-yard dash is poor. But at the same time, and, and, and you said it, and I didn't want to use the word miscast, and I want to go, I'll go back and address that because you're right. Boise State knows what they're doing. The running offense has been terrific over the years. He opened holes for, for good players throughout his time there. But I do think there's some intrigue there as a pass catcher. And and, and maybe, again, maybe he, he carves out a role for himself. Maybe he's just a run blocker at the next level. Maybe that's what he is. And maybe Boise State had it right. You know, and maybe he goes on to lay. And look, there's a lot of tight ends that have had good careers as run blockers. You know, guys that you look at, I remember, geez, what was Anthony Fasano, I think his name was, right? Played for the Dolphins, played for the mm-hmm. Titans for a long time. Uh, that guy made a, a 10, 11 year career out of being a great run blocker. Uh, me covering the Titans, I'm a little more familiar with them, of course, but a guy like Michael Pruitt, who's around the, bounced around the league for a while, ends up with the Titans, and all of a sudden, uh, he's Derrick Henry's favorite run blocker, you know, so to speak, because uh, he opens up holes for him, and he's been doing it for years, and he found a home for himself there. Uh, a guy like Jeff Swain, who, who spent time with the Titans, he's still there, and he was with Dallas before, so there are guys that have made careers out of run blocking, and, 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 and John Bates could be that guy but I do think there's some intrigue there as a big body uh, who can run pretty, you know, pretty good routes up the middle and, and make more plays in the passing game than he did in college.
0: Yeah. You make good points. Like why go to the senior bowl to watch the guy block? they wanted to see more than that. Like, cause I meant, like I go back to Utah state game. He had the good, I mean, I think it's like the first drive he's cut everything down the way, but it's, you're right. Like you're not going to go to see a guy block. That's not probably not what they're looking at. Maybe a little, but we'll see how where he ends up because you're right. He could be a guy who gets, I don't know, a handful of catches a year, not a year, but like a couple targets a game, ends up with 20, 30 catches a season, but you're going to be in there to be blocking the jumbo set, stuff like that. And if he makes it there, that's awesome. And then he's a secret weapon kind of who gets that random tight end who goes, does a streak down the field, who has one game where it's like three for 96 and then touchdown with like a 60 yarder because nobody's expecting him to do that. So I don't know if that's the case, but he's athletic enough. But you're right. I think your evaluation is right where block enough, but they want to see, hey, can this guy be a league to make some catches and run some routes and it seems to be more the case than not but let's move on real quick let's finish up here we got two guys at in good state they're always great in defense Treek thompson darren hall one thing about standing state was interesting it'll be more future years but still relevant now like they don't have he, these guys played under rocky long but then brady hoke lasher took over as the head coaching duties when he wanted to kind of go, what is it? I don't know what you call it, some sort of semi-retirement, but still the D.C. in New Mexico, kind of a weird spot where he left. But what does is, what is that de- scheme defensively do to these guys for next level? Because they don't play a traditional defense, 3 three-three-five. These typical D- D.B. seniors, he has a lot of them more athletic, that can play both spots, like the nickel, the corner, the kind of widebacker situation. They're kind of all over the place. They have to know a lot of football, which could be valuable where, hey, you'll play this, you'll play that position, more kind of like, almost like a Avery Williams returner and DB guy, but it's all on defense where, you know, multiple spots. Like how does that scheme help these guys?
1: It's very interesting because I, I kind of brought that up to, you know, to Darren Hall when I, when I spoke with him, I said, you know, it's, he's one of several guys in the secondary that's that, that can get drafted this year. And when he talked about it, he said, look, and you know, I didn't even realize this, but he goes, cause we could have had five guys drafted this coming year. You know, two of them decided to go back to school and uh, three of us uh, entered the draft. So uh, that was his opinion, of course. But uh, that's that's you know, that's the you know, the bond that they created in that secondary. They're a well coached. He's not they're not the first guys right to enter the league from that secondary. Uh, There have been a couple right throughout the years that I've really enjoyed studying on tape and have gone on to play in the NFL. So obviously the defense knows what they're doing you know, and, and the coaching staffs done a terrific job. And and I really like both of these guys. And that's why I'm, you know, I was eager to, to, to jump on this show to get a chance to talk about Darren Hall and to get a chance to talk about Terry Thompson, because uh, I really like what they, what they did on tape. Uh, Darren Hall went down to the senior bowl as well. So again, clearly there was some intrigue there uh, and there should be right. A guy that I think is a really interesting uh, DB on day three. And, and I like him quite a bit. And I thought he had a good senior bowl. And, and I talked to him about that, but, obviously this is a program that that knows what they're doing in the secondary, right? I mean, you guys can probably speak to it more than I can, but the way they developed guys, the way a couple of guys have been drafted there the last couple of years, the way that they're probably going to have two picks this year, at least one of them, I would say for sure. Um, really, really gets me excited. They're obviously doing something good there. And, and I like both of these players a lot.
2: Yeah. And so what's interesting about Hall in particular, I guess we'll, we'll start by talking about him specifically is I don't know if you had a chance to go back and watch their game against Nevada last year. Because you know, when, I, when I think back on, on his tenure as an Aztec, I think that that game in particular, you know, being matched up with Romeo Dubs basically all game long, tells you everything you need to know about Hall as a player. Because you know, there were a couple of big plays where you know even with tight coverage, you know, Dubs is able to get the best of them. But yeah, I believe he also had an interception in that game. He had a couple of big pass breakups. He almost had an interception right there at the end to set up the Aztecs uh, with a chance to win. You know, and so to me, what really st- stands out in my memory from that game is the physicality with which he plays the position. And so I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on how well that can translate to the next level. Because it's, you know, I've I've heard conversations about cornerbacks in particular where you know a lot of, you know more, a lot more athletic guys who may not necessarily be the tall kind of cornerbacks like Richard Sherman's of the world who are, you know, going to play defensive back rather than, you know, wide receiver, like they might've, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And so I'm curious about how Hall stacks up with his, his willingness to be physical with his experience in that three, three, five defense being asked to you know, play a lot of man, you know, with some help over the top, things like that.
1: I really like him. And I think that could hold up well enough. Uh, I, I think he's an interesting guy. He's versatile. They moved him uh, around their defense a little bit. And, and and you talked about the interception in that game. He had three of them in 2020, right? And he only played in like, I think it was eight games. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like him. I think he's, I think, you know, some of the things you talked about there are physical, but I also think he's really smart, right? And I think he reads the game at a high level. And we saw that on tape. And I think, again, back to, you know, being an Aztec, I think they do such a good job developing the minds of their players, developing, uh, you know, guys in the secondary who, who, who all of a sudden read the game at a high level. So credit to that coaching staff because I think they're doing a great job and all these guys that are coming from there. Uh, yes, Darren Hall is physical. He's aggressive, but he's smart. He's really smart. And you don't get your hands on the football, you know, as much as he did uh, and record, you know, three picks in just a couple of games uh, the way that he did if you're not smart. So I think he's a really smart player. And I think that's one trait of his game that maybe we're not talking about enough
0: no, it makes sense. Like you play all those different positions on that defense and like dubs, like he had so many 50 yard catches last year It's amazing and to kind of slow him down. That, that shows good stuff of what he can do. But I like, it's always interesting Like this defense, like the one guy bringing like DeMonte Casey, other guys been drafted and playing the league. It's an area where you think teams would be focusing on like, like when him saying there, Oh, we got five guys who so can be drafted. Probably going to be the case or at least get a shot in the league out of the team from this year. Like the other couple of guys going forward um but then we got treake thompson what is um he's a bit more size a bit more weight on him compared to darren hall i think about 20 something pounds here if i'm looking at this correctly if these numbers are accurate which hopefully they are what i'm looking at just over 200 pounds but what's the difference between him what do you like not more but like what's the comparison kind of between the two like what do you like more for thompson or hall like what just give me your thoughts on thompson as i'm rambling here sorry
1: (laughs) No, it's, you're, no, you're all good. Thompson, you know, I know I've been covering Darren Hall for most of this. So to get to yeah. Thompson, he's a guy that I also like uh, quite a bit. You know, I think, was it more than 3,000 career snaps he played yeah. at San Diego State? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, right? And in his time there, 19 turnovers that he helped create. So this is a guy that has a nose for the football, where I think that was a bit of a question mark with Darren Hall before this past season. I don't think anybody's questioning that when it comes to Darren, uh, when it comes to Terry Thompson, excuse me, 12 career interceptions. You know, seven forced fumbles, 3,000 snaps. And he played everywhere. You know, we talked about moving around. They used him everywhere. And, and I spoke to him about uh, DeMonte because he is, as you brought him up, right? I, and, and I said they did such a good job developing guys. And he brought him up and he talked about, hey, we got to talk about Darren Hall too. We got to talk about Dwayne Johnson Jr. You know, There are other guys that we got to talk about. Here. It's, it, it's not just me, but re- really good player. I think he's got a be- maybe a bit of a better nose uh, for the football. They moved him everywhere, right? That's the big thing with him is he played a little bit of everything. Right, he played, he played free safety. He played strong safety. And, and you know, these are, these are some of the things he told me, but you see it on tape. He came down in the box. He played nickel. So that, I think he's a little bit more versatile than Darren Hall is, or I think he's shown a bit more uh, when he's been able to be versatile. Uh, the 3,000 career snaps is, is terrific. One thing I'll say is very interesting to me, and I, I don't really get it. I don't get why he wasn't at the senior bowl. With the resume that, that yeah. he has – and I'm sure there's, you know, and I trust Jim Nagy and he does unbelievable work and he's a great person, but I'm, I'm very, and I'd love to ask him that question. I haven't asked him that yet, but I'm, I'm very curious why, with the resume that he put together, if you would have asked me before the senior bowl, Darren Hall or Terry Thompson, only one of them is going to go there. I would have put my money on Terry Thompson just because of the experience and, and, and the turnovers that he's created. So it's interesting to me, but it's, it's probably telling. In some sense. Right. It's, it's, I, and maybe it's not. But I would like to think, you know, again, going back to the John Bates conversation, perhaps there's more intrigue, more interest in Darren Hall than there is in Terry Thompson, because I, I, I was, for one, very surprised that he wasn't at the Senior Bowl with the resume that he put together as an Aztec.
2: Yeah, I mean, after you know, after becoming a freshman All-American back in twenty seventeen, he figured that he would have gotten a little more notice as a defender, even within the conference. But it wasn't until last year that he actually made a first-team All-Conference as a defender, which I always thought was wild. Even though he, I think he was one of a handful of players in the whole, entire history of the conference to make the All-Conference team all four years he was there. But you know, in doing some research about him in particular, I almost wonder if you know, going back to your your point about maybe more intrigue about Hall than on Thompson, because at the at San Diego State's pro day, you know, you look at the, the mock draftable spider chart, and I guess relative to a lot of other, you know, previous safety prospects, his his overall performance was sort of underwhelming. Like you know, if you go look at the chart, you know, you know, 12% percentile and in, in height, you know, he ran a 40-yard dash, that was in the fifth percentile, he ran a broad jump, that was in the ninth percentile. And, you know, those were no exceptions It's a very, very small spider chart. And so I guess it speaks to sort of a bigger question of when NFL teams see something like that, they see an underwhelming pro day overall, how do they generally respond to that? Because I think there's, there's no doubt that, you know, you look at four years of tape and you see that this guy is a player, he's probably going to contribute on some respect in the next level. So, like, how do they balance something like that of, like, one day of really underwhelming performance without any pads on versus what they see over the last four years?
1: It's an interesting question, but unfortunately, you know, I, I think you, you kind of just answered the mystery there. Uh, you brought up a great point. Terry Thompson, you know, the, the pro day results were not good, right? And Yeah, they were not good. You know, the 40-yard dash was 4.75. For a guy that only weighs 204 pounds, you know, you, you'd like to see a move quicker than that, the three-cone, Seven, seven, five is, is unfortunately really poor of, you know, everything was, was poor truthfully when it mm-hmm. comes to Thompson, whereas Hall uh, tested significantly better. And look, te- teams don't, you know, I-, I like to say, cause of course they do make mistakes, but when it comes to these things, teams don't make, make mistakes as often as, as people think they do. When you look at Darren Hall testing numbers were a lot better Were a lot better. So, you know, does, for all we know, it's as simple as a couple of teams calling up, you know, the Aztec coaching staff, and having an honest, off-the-record conversation. And that's why Hall gets invited to the Senior Bowl and Thompson doesn't. Because obviously the pro day was significantly after the Senior Bowl. So yeah. what did they already know before the Senior Bowl mm. for Thompson, who probably put together the more impressive resume, that he's not there and Hall is? right? And then you look at the testing results and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe this is it. You know, Hall's a, a good athlete. Whereas, the, truthfully, Thompson is, 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 a, is a poor one right? A really poor one. I mean, based on that day, is that who he is? Maybe not, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he had an off day, but um, when you, when you look at the results, it, it kind of starts to, to, to make a picture of a paint, a picture of why maybe Hall was at the senior bowl and Thompson was it, but I'm not going to write Thompson off because I really liked him on tape. Like you said, like you just said, I, I really liked the tape and, and, and the production and the resume speaks for itself. So, but the thing is, you know, you asked about how they balance it. I don't think he gets drafted with a pro day like that. Okay. That's not not good.
0: Uh, He likely does not
1: get drafted with the numbers (laughs) that he'll get an invite because the production, the resume, he'll be in camp. Yeah, I'll be shocked if he isn't, but those numbers, you know, you know who else, by the way, and it is, you know, I don't want to you know take you too far back, but sometimes people look at these things and automatic, you know, and I love the the, the mock draftable and relative athletics where I love those things. I use them. I pay attention to them. But sometimes I find that you know this is one thing we don't want to do is they're not the Bible. You know, they're they're, they they don't guarantee success or failure. You know, who had a really similar pro day to Terry Thompson? Maybe maybe it was a little bit better, maybe, but it was it was really poor and didn't get drafted. Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler had a horrific pro day and didn't get drafted. His numbers were awful. You can you can still find it on Twitter. You can look it up, Malcolm Butler the the numbers were god all everything the 40 the the everything was terrible he didn't get drafted well he makes a play in the super bowl right and, win, and wins yeah. the super bowl right and has it's been it's not it's been a really good corner in the NFL so let's not use these things as a way to guarantee success and failure which i think sometimes you know you, you'll see it on twitter you'll see um, a, a poor poor results and you'll see a hundred quote tweets saying i'm out i'm out forget it forget it never mind can't play at the next level let's pump the brakes on that kind of yeah. talk because there are a ton Actually, of guys right. who've yeah
0: right Oh, you're right there yeah he led the team in tackles he's all all conference four years freshman all-american like if you can play you can play he just may not be up to the snub or i guess the, whatever the words you want to stay up to a certain team but again one team it's all that matters there could be some this random team pick, round six pick 200 we want you because you might we're worth we're to this position we'll take you because we think you can do it but all these guys will have a shot in nfl i think I, from your take, we'll take three of the four so should get drafted. But Justin, we got to wrap it up here. Thank you for joining us here. Just go to his Twitter feed to find everything you want. All these interview series, everything he does with the Titans, SB Nation, he does stuff for the Draft Network, everywhere. Anything you do, so go to Justin M
1: underscore NFL. And thanks for hopping on. And we'll sell draft goes, man. Thanks a ton. Thanks. Yeah, pleasure it was all mine. Always fun talking to these under radar guys. All right,
0: one more time. Thanks again to Justin Mel. There he does a million different things. Um, I just noticed right now he's NFL top hundred draft big board. So go check that over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. But yeah, just follow him on Twitter. Find everything he needs. That's some great insight he brought toward about how like Sean Bates, Avery the offense thing is quite interesting. Where um, I think everybody Raj mentioned our DMs about. It. He saw some stuff about that too. Where hey, he might be playing offense, and it is a ton of work if you're gonna be a rookie, play defensive back, return kicks, play offense. So I get the feeling that if, I, I'm not, I don't know where he'll play, but it also takes a team, like I mentioned Eagles who does, has been doing that with guys like Greg Ward, John Hightower, former Bronco, who was all over the field doing different type of things. It just takes one team that wants you to play that position. Because if he plays DB, which he was really good at, that's one team could like him there. And then one team may, hey, we see you with what you can do with the ball, run the ball, maneuvering on those returns and kicks we'll stick you at a slot receiver or something like that. I maybe even a running back to get those quick tosses, easy pathway to get the ball. But if he goes the offense, I think that might be a bit tricky for him to be able to make, make a team or make a big impact. I know his kick returning, he'll be a team regardless, but there's great stuff there about what he feels about the Aztec guys, the Boise guys, this draft class too, which we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, it's kind of easier for him, I guess, not easier, but there's fewer people to evaluate and look at, which is, Normally, Mountain West might have a dozen guys drafted, just about 10 guys. But now, there could be, I don't know, four, five maybe. Let's just say all four of these guys get drafted. You have other guys like, uh, I mentioned Warren Jackson, maybe the Air Force Offense Line, a couple of those guys get picked up. We'll see how it is, but next year would be quite interesting of how many players get drafted and what the number could be overall, just because... There'll be a lot more prospects next year, but check us out again. Follow us along for Draft Talk. We'll do some spring wrap-up next week. We'll do a little bit of um, draft stuff as well, um, work on a couple of things to have some fun for the website and the podcast, maybe a couple more interviews we're working on pre-draft and some other stuff. But uh, MWR.com is where you can find everything we do. And, again, one last time for Justin. Thanks for hopping on. He's been on a few times with us, M underscore NFL. And we'll be back next time, folks.